And today we're going to take another look at Jesus' crazy love for us. Uh, I would refer you to Francis Chan's book called Crazy Love. I'm pulling a lot of this from. Um, and I've just been blessed with Francis Chan over the years. And uh, if you haven't read or watched him, I, I, I highly recommend him. So we're going to take a, we call it crazy, but it's really perfect love. That's what it is. God's love is perfect. And we're calling it crazy to emphasize how different His love is from human love. Often we don't grasp or appreciate how different God's love is than human love. I like to call it the God kind of love because it, it is so different than anything that else that we experience in life. Last time we looked at how radically He accepts us. Today I want to first dig into what God's love does. And if we have time, I'd like to get into a couple other things. One thing we'll discover is that God cares so much about you that He thought ahead about your life before you ever existed. He planned it all out. He planned all your experiences, good experiences, good relationships, um, all types of experiences that He's planned out for each one of us in His foreknowledge, in His forethought. He even, ex- he even planned out how you'll escape different trials and tests and difficulties and challenges. He's got it all planned out for each one of us. So when you run into a challenge, you know that God's already thought this through. Nothing takes him by surprise. That's pretty exciting to know that when I face a problem, there's already a solution. There's already an answer for me that he's already thought through. And that's, how, that's one way that God loves us. He thinks through everything for us before we ever get to it. That's one way that he loves us. And we'll look at it several ways that he loves us. One hint as we start... If you don't know the decisions that you need to be making concerning your life and your future right now, and I would venture to say that's quite a few of us, I want to encourage you today to not worry about it. You say, yeah, but I've got to figure this out. Not necessarily. You should do your planning with God, but you don't have to worry and you don't have to be anxious about these things. Right? Right? (laughs) You don't have to be anxious about it. You don't have to worry. Well, what if I'm not going to worry about it? What am I going to do about it? Then you can talk to God about it. And He'll listen. And He'll give you solutions and direction. Talk to Him and the directions will come. But what I'd like you to do, if you're facing some difficult situations and challenges and problems and you need some solution, you need some answers. What I'd like to challenge you to do or, or offer this as a suggestion is just focus more. Take some extra time to focus more on His love for you. You say, well, that's just too simple. No, the beauty is found in the simplicity. The power is found in, in how simple God can deal with us. And that helps me because I'm no astronaut. Right? And neither are you probably. <laughs> we live in a town where they train astronauts, so you've got to be careful there. But really, you don't have to figure all this out. 
just focus and meditate and think about how much God loves you. And it will free you up to receive the answers and solutions that He's already thought through, that He has already got prepared for you. You'll find them that way. We're going to jump in John chapter 3. I'm going to read you the first three, chapter 3, verse 1 through 16, the first 16 verses of this chapter 3 of John. Um, this interaction with Nicodemus, this interaction between him and, and he was a high priest and with Jesus, um, coming at a, at a different angle. You know, there's all different kinds of backgrounds that we have, right? Some of you grew up in church and some of you have a religious background and, and you have an advantage in that because the Word of God is something that's familiar with you. Uh, don't let it ever become too familiar, right? And then there's some of us that don't have any religious background at all, never went to church, and you're not sure why you're here today, but I want to welcome you because maybe God wants to talk to you from heaven through this bald guy. <laughs> and maybe God's got a message for you today. I'm glad that you came. Aren't you glad that you came today? You know, this is the weekend after Easter. This is preacher's biggest challenge. But you know what? Jesus is still risen. <laughs> you know, He's still alive. And... And he went away, and he said it would be better if he went away. You read that, and you watch the disciples better, because he left the Holy Spirit within us. And with that, we got it made in a certain way, don't we? Not that we are rid of all our challenges and problems, but the Holy Spirit's there, and he's, he's just as much God as, as Jesus is, as the Father is, and he's leading us and talking to us. So I hope that he talks to you through this story and this event in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus and Jesus. So Nicodemus was one of those religious guys, one of the leaders, one of the group of people that gave Jesus the hardest and most difficult problems. Actually the ones who put Jesus on the cross. Romans put him on there physically, but if it hadn't been the Jews, he would have never been crucified. And if it hadn't been the religious leaders, and Nicodemus is one of them. So he's having a lot of trouble. He's, he's dealing with this. I want you to have a little grace for the person next to you who might be religious. I want you to have a little bit of grace for the person next to you who might have lived a, a wild lifestyle. You know what? We all need Jesus. No matter what our background is. And that's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't look at people as religious or wild. He just looks at people as people. And He loves people. And the Father's love comes through Him. He's the perfect, exact representation of what the Father wants to speak to us is how much He loves people. And so Nicodemus, this religious leader, comes to Jesus and he says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, and he came to Jesus at night and said, 
Well, why did he come at night? Oh, yeah, I said I wasn't going to comment on any of it. I'll just read it. Let the story speak for itself. It's a real discipline for me. It's hard. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, you know, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into, the mother's, into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless... Did I just repeat that? Oh yeah, I, week after Easter. Right? I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus asks, how can this be? He said, you're Israel's teacher, and you don't understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. In verse 16, For God so loved the world, Jesus speaking, For God so loved the world that He gave His, only, his one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This last verse, verse 16, is probably one of the most quoted, no probably about it, they've done studies, it is one of the top five verses that is quoted. Many people know it. Martin Luther called it the miniature gospel. It's really the good news, the story of Jesus, all packed in a few words. In a nutshell, this is probably one verse that Satan would just love to blot out, remove, because thousands and millions of people throughout history have found their salvation through these words. It's been a path to heaven for so many people. Today I want to take a fresh look at these amazing words that Jesus said and John recorded. The first one, first part of it is, for God so loved. For God so loved. Look how this famous verse begins. The beginning of a journey is really important, isn't it? When you go somewhere, you plan ahead of time what you'll need. If you don't, you'll get in trouble, right? You, you'll wish that you had brought something that you didn't think through. So you've learned how to begin, how you begin is a, has a great effect on how much you enjoy the journey and how you finish the journey. In her book, Teaching 
a stone to talk. Annie Dillard reveals a sad but, oh, just a poignant story about what happens when we set out on a journey unprepared. And she begins to tell the story about an Arctic expedition by a British team of 138 men and two ships um, as they set out in 1845 to explore the Northwest Passage across our continent. And they got there and froze in the water. The rudder froze up. The deck froze up. And what's astounding is that they didn't even bring heavy coats. What's even more astounding, they only brought 14 days worth of food. Not one of them came back. They began to find some of the debris later. And they looked at what the officer, the captain had planned, and there wasn't a lot of planning that went in to prepare for cold and a long trip that actually was going to take two years if they had done it right. What was in the ship was nice silver, nice placemats. They had nice uniforms, but they were very thin, all Navy uniforms. They weren't prepared. They came up on this frozen chunk of ice. They, this was when they finally found them. A couple years after that, they came across uh, an officer who was in full uniform. And next to him was, of course, he's a skeleton by that time. And he's got all this nice clothing and nice dishes next to him. But he froze to death. Boy, you know, we get all concerned about looking good in this life. We need to prepare for the journey, spiritually, for where we're headed. Right? And that's what this life really is about. It's not looking good in this life. It's preparing ourselves for where we're headed. And through every challenge and every problem that we face, God's got an answer as we learn to communicate with Him. Those are the important things. So that we don't get trapped in ice. Crew didn't prepare. And what they had prepared for was totally inadequate for what they were facing. God's not like that. When God thinks ahead for our lives, He's totally prepared. And He's very good. He invented the word preparation. And there's nothing wrong with planning. God's got so much prepared for us in this life and the next. We, we have just no idea. Part of His love for us is His foreplanning of our lives. He even plans those ways that we can escape our difficulties and our temptations. God's a God of journey. He knows we're on a journey. And He's prepared us for that journey. 
And all we can do, all we get to do, all we have to do is just look to Him for wisdom for that journey. No matter where we are on that journey. The prophet Jeremiah said, For I know, speaking for God, he says, I know, and so this is God speaking to us today. He said, For I know the plans that I have for you. God has plans for you. For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and to do you good. I like that. And to do you good. God wants to do you good. If you will take the time to look to Him for direction, there's a plan for you. Yeah, I know that you need to do some of your own planning. But can you plan with God and ask Him for His insight on your decisions? And say something like this, Oh Lord, I I don't know exactly what to do. I've got these decisions to make and I've got these alternatives. Which one is best in your mind? Not what is in my mind, but what's best in your mind? I want to do it your way because your way is always best. Now, I've been there many times, and I've gone my way, and I wish I hadn't. And I know nobody here has ever done that. But don't you do that. And you think, man, if I just... And, and God's so merciful. But there's times that He'll give you a little bit of glance back. You know, if you had done it my way, this would have happened. Yeah, I know, it's, it's really hurting me now. But He's the greatest teacher... And he'll let you see some things. How about going to God ahead of time and getting his foreknowledge of this? Because God knows everything, right? Well, if you don't know that, God knows everything. That's one of, he's not like people. We don't know everything. God knows everything. We tap into his knowledge, he knows what's best. Here's some things about God that. John wrote about it. He said, God is love. God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says that God is love. So what else does it mean that God is love? So I'm going to take a little bit of a pig trail and then we'll come back and we'll be done. But here are three ways that God shows us that He is love. That He not just doesn't just do love, but He is love. First of all, God God's love is action. John wrote this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. It says, this is how God showed. Everybody say showed. He showed, He demonstrated His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. So it's not just that He saw us hopeless, but He refused to leave us that way. And God took action and He demonstrated love. God sent, the Father sent, and Jesus came. All action, verbs. So it's not really enough when I say I love somebody, it's not enough that I just love them in thought and I don't do anything. Right? So if I say I love my wife, then I'm going to listen to her. That's one way I can love her. And she's nodding her head. It's always an action. It refuses to leave things as they are. How can I do good? Here's a question to ask ourselves this morning. How can I do good to those people in my life? 
especially those people that are a challenge to me? How can I do good? May I commend you for something? Just a couple weeks ago, we received an offering for John Renegal and his family. Am I saying his name, that last name? I got pretty close on it. So they're new missionaries that we support. And they got hit by a typhoon, hurricane um, in Africa. And we just put a simple plea out to help this family. And over $2,000 came in. That's love in action that would help. And they're so appreciative. They're actually going to be here in two weeks, three weeks. So look for that. Here's another thing that God's love is. God's love is unfathomable. Unfathomable. Listen to these, verse, these words in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. That you may have power, Paul writing, that you may have power together with all saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Paul says this, this love is so crazy that we have to have pra- prayer, we have to pray to have power to understand it. You can't understand this love without His power helping you understand it. Because it's so different. When we know God's love and experience God's love, that love actually empowers us. This love surpasses knowledge. So a good word for this, this surpassing our knowledge, our, our ability to understand is unfathomable. It's just something that we can't grasp in our normal intellect. It's way beyond that. That's how crazy this love is. You can't even fathom the extent of Christ's love for us. Now I understand people sometimes don't feel comfortable in an environment where God is worshipped because they don't feel like their thoughts and their, their past and their actions and their life measure up to this environment. I know that. I've, I've been there. I know what that feels like. There may be you here today, and I, I, I just, I'm so thankful that you would come today in an environment like this that may seem uncomfortable to you. But I... I I want you to know how much we admire that. Those of us that have been trying to walk this walk for a while. Because there's not a person here, no matter how long you've been walking with God, that you don't sometimes feel uncomfortable in the presence of worshiping God. And why is that? Because we are so in touch with the unworthiness of our lives compared to how great God is and how perfect He is. But just because you made the effort to come in this environment, you'll begin to experience something that is otherworldly. And what is that? There's only one thing, and this world is devoid of this, and it's the love of Christ. It's the love of God. And that's what you get when you're in an environment like this, even when you go to God in prayer by yourself, you can experience this kind of love that is, you can't find it anywhere else. 
Are you hearing my heart today? You can look and look and look and people do all kinds of drugs. They do all kinds of alcohol. They, they, they travel to find this peace and the peace is right here in Jesus. Right here. And it's found nowhere else. And the thing about it, that love is so great, so heavenly, that it came in the form of Jesus. He's there. He's living inside you that you can travel with Him. You can go places with Him. And you can never escape Him. Thank God. I don't ever want to run away from Him anymore. You? God's so good to us. And here's the third thing. God's love is predetermined. I'm just now starting to understand this more about God's foreknowledge. Just understanding, man, God, you already had that figured out. Have you ever gone through a difficulty, a problem, a challenge, and then you came into the solution, and you think, man, that, that was God. <laughs> no, really. Go through something that you can't figure out, and then it, the answer comes, is, you know, I never thought that. Never figured that out. That must have been God. And then you begin to think, you know, God knows more than I do. God's got some things figured out that I haven't figured out yet. And that's okay. And he, here's the other thing about it is He just loves to give you the answers if you'll search for them. You'll search for them. And I think some, some of these answers, it's like the parables. The answers are not easily seen sometimes. And we look at our lives and it's like, I'm not sure what to do. Because number one, I think God wants us to come to Him and pray and ask Him for some help. And this other thing He wants us to do is use our brains and figure some things out. And He will guide our thoughts. He will guide our thoughts and our thinking if we'll ask Him to. Because He loves working with us. He gives us a life and He wants us to enjoy working with Him with our lives. We're the test case. We're the project. Anybody feel like a project? <laughs> and that's okay. God loves that. He gives us... It's not all written in stone is what I'm saying. He has foreknowledge, but we get to make some decisions. And he's just asking us, why don't you consult me? I think I might know some things that will help you. I think it must have blown Nicodemus' mind when Jesus talked about that God so loved the world. I think just by tacking that word world on there, I think it just... To Nicodemus, he's like, huh. Probably a new thought. His head just kind of went tilt because Nicodemus is well, I know God loves us because we have the Word of God. We have righteousness. I know God cares about me and my friends because we're all trying to understand the Word of God. We study every morning and we, we say our prayers. I know God loves us, but the world? And Jesus said, God so loved the world? You... It must have blown his mind because he said he's, he knows what the Romans. He loves the Romans. He loves my mother-in-law. 
The world? Everybody? That, that must have blown his mind. But see, that's God's real idea that He wants us to get a hold of. That God is not selective in who He loves. He loves everybody. How crazy is that? Everybody. Augustine, Augustine said this, God loves each of us as though there was only one of us to love. God loves each of us as though there was only one of us to love. I wish I got thoughts like that. But that's what makes Augustine, Augustine. Another part of this verse, he gave his only son. Let me try to illustrate this. This part of God's love. Have you ever thought you were pretty good at something? And, you know, then you ran across somebody that was a lot better than you? <laughs> kind of humbling, isn't it? When we were growing up, they had this thing called, these competitions called pump, pass, and kick, and pitch, hit, and throw. And I, this kind of comes to my mind because I was texting to a, a friend who works out of the country now, but we first met in town here, and, and the, where we first met, we both were in pit, pitch, hit, and throw, and pump, pass, and kick. And um, as kids, he was a little bit older, so even though we were the same year, he was in a different age bracket. He won his bracket, and I won mine. And so, pretty excited about that. Met him, and we, we became instant friends. And, and so the next competition, after winning first place here, then you go to St. Louis and compete there. So I'll, I'll talk to you about pitch it and throw. We won pitch it and throw, and we're on our road with Mr. Robinson to St. Louis, and we're going to compete in St. Louis. You should have heard us when when we were taking that trip up to St. Louis. Man, we're going to St. Louis. Cardinals probably have some scouts there looking for us. <laughs> we got up there, and it was a very long ride home. Not anybody talking. We got slaughtered. We didn't even place. You know, and I look at our righteousness compared to God's, our lives, our thoughts, we don't even place. He is so different. Our love, our ability to love for love another person compared to his love, we we he smokes us every time. But that's okay because we're all in a journey to love more. And this isn't really about you and me, anyhow. It's really all about him. It's all about how much He loves us. And if we can stay focused on that, all these other things just drop off. All the worries and the cares and the comparisons. You know what comparison is? It's when you compare to the point of sin. Comparison. I didn't, that's not original in me, but I thought that was really good. But we, we fall into darkness when we start comparing ourselves to another person. We shouldn't be doing that. Let's just look at Jesus. He's perfect. And let His love come through us to others. Man, better wrap it up. Let's stand.
I didn't even get to the main point. My message was titled, Whosoever Love, and I didn't even get to that part. So I bet you're really guessing and wondering what it was I was going to talk about. <laughs> Father, I want to thank you for your goodness, your mercy. Right now, let's pray that every one of us would be able to connect with your love. Because it really is what we ought to be focusing on. For those of us that are having challenges right now of various kinds, each of us knows what we're thinking about right now. I pray that the Holy Spirit would help us not to worry. The Holy Spirit would empower us to think more about how great your love is. And when we're struggling to find answers and solutions, as we continue to focus, meditate, think about your greatness and the greatness of your love, we know that you've thought through all these things. That you have a plan. And even though we can't see all that, we know that you already have seen it. And you can guide us, you can direct us, you can speak to us. And everything will be good as we walk with you. And Jesus, thank you for walking with us. Thank you that we don't have to figure this all out and walk alone in this life. Thank you that you're with us. And you're even better than that. You're, you're not just with us. And I don't want everyone to take this for granted. You're in. You're in me. You're in us. And if there's anybody here right now that... You know, I don't know God. See, if you know God, you, you know that you know God. And you're not sure that you know God. It's not about doing all the right things. It's not about even saying all the right things. It's about knowing Him. And I want to pass off a, one piece of a letter that a guy wrote that was walking with God. Before that, he, he was a guy that hurt people. And then he came to really knowing God. And he says, this is what is most important, is to know God and the power of His resurrection and to walk with Him every day. Those are the things that matter. And I just encourage you, if you don't know God and you're not walking with God, would you appeal to Him for a good conscience? Would you come to Him and say, Jesus, I don't really know You, but I want to walk with You. God in heaven, I believe that You exist. Show me how to walk with You now. And you know what, guys? If you'll do that, He will walk with you. He'll meet you right where you are. Even if you're far from God today, He will. 
He will bridge that distance. He will come to you. And the truth is this, He already came. He already did that. There's nothing between you and Him right now because of what Jesus did on the cross. And His blood took all your sin. It bridged that distance so that there is no distance anymore if you'll just appeal to Him and ask Him to come into your heart. All different kinds of words that change you, help you walk with Him. Father, thank You for Your goodness that leads us to change the direction of our lives. And I thank You for each person here as we walk with You together in Jesus' name. Amen.